Welcome to Title T, where we bring you all the tea on tough title transactions. We'll touch on real-life title issues and how to ensure a painless real estate transaction. We're just two Texas escrow officers who want to share our experiences. We learn the hard way so you don't have to. My name is Nikki, and I'm here with Libby. So Libby, what you got? All right, everybody, welcome back to Title T. This week, we are going to be talking about family transactions. So we're going to just go ahead and jump in to get started. So when we're talking about family transactions, we refer to these transactions as non-arm's length transactions, which means that you have some sort of relationship with the person that you are buying or selling from. So this would be a close family member, a... Maybe it's a mother and a father or a sibling or something along those lines. When we have these types of transactions, they have additional requirements for us to meet before we can insure them for title insurance. And we're going to talk about some of the risks that these transactions pose in a real estate transaction when it comes to insuring purposes. And Libby's going to tell us about those risks. Yes. One of the biggest risks that these transactions pose for a title company is the seller not vacating the home. For example purposes, here's a scenario for you guys. Let's say that mom wants to deed one of their children their home. Maybe they want to bypass probate or for some other reason. If the mom does not move out, we go back to our previous episode where we talk about homestead. This goes into the law that says you have to abandon the homestead. If she doesn't move out, she still has rights to the homestead. Now, we would have a situation where the child is a legal homeowner, but the mother still has those homestead rights. If the child has a good relationship with the mom, they may not see this as a big deal. However, from a title and lending perspective, we do have issues when that comes around. So as a title agent, I can't issue a policy to the new owner insuring them as the owner because we have a person to claim that property. In this case, it's the mom. You also have a problem for a lender's perspective. If the owner tried to take out a loan on the property, they would hit a big roadblock. The Texas Constitution has a very specific language on what the different types of liens or debts are enforceable on a property that is considered homestead. Biggest one here is being that it requires the owners and those with the homestead rights be included on the documentation and sign the loan docs. However, the lender isn't going to be able to lend to someone who doesn't legally own the property either, so you're kind of in a catch-22 situation. So what do we do to prevent these from happening? We don't expect the average consumer to be aware of these complexities when it comes to homestead, so it's always something we're on the watch for as a title agent. As a real estate agent, you maybe pose the question to confirm if the buyer and seller are related. We can still do these transactions, we just need some extra items. First one being that the seller must show proof that they've vacated the home. In the past, we've had situations where underwriters have accepted evidence such as driver's license showing their new address, or you can send a signed lease agreement for their new residence. Depending on the situation, the requirement to prove this can sort of vary. So I'm going to tell you guys a story about a couple, and they were refinancing their homestead, so the property that they both lived in, with a home equity lien. They were taking out equity in their home. The snag in this situation was that the couple wasn't legally married. And then if we recall that all the owners and those with homestead rights must agree to and sign off on the debt. So 
As a side note, a married couple can take out a mortgage loan and have only one of them qualify for the loan. Then the spouse is able to sign as what's called a non-borrowing spouse. But if the couple is not married, then both individuals would have to qualify for the loan. Our couple ran into this problem as one of the persons was not able to qualify for that loan. And because they were not married, she was also unable to sign as the non-borrowing spouse. So here we had the perfect storm where the Texas Constitution require that she sign due to her homestead rights, but the lender can't have her sign because she didn't qualify for the loan or able to sign as that non-borrowing spouse. So after convening with the underwriter, they were left with three options. Number one, get married so she can sign as that non-borrowing spouse. Number two, she would need to vacate the homestead, which means she would have to move out of her house and show proof she had moved out for her partner to take out the loan. Or number three, she would have to qualify for the loan and join in the transaction. So our couple decided to go ahead and get married. They had been living together for about 20 years. For them, this really wasn't a big step in their lives. However, there is a 72-hour cooldown period in Texas from the time you request a marriage certificate. Since they were very short on time on getting this loan done, they decided to go the route of common law marriage, which is recognized in the state of Texas. So in Texas, in order for that to be considered legal, it requires three things. The couple agrees to be married. They then live together as a married couple. And finally, that they represent themselves as married to others. So these aren't hard requirements to meet. And our couple did meet these already but it did have to be ratified. So to acknowledge the common law marriage, it has to be ratified with the county. And the underwriter in this case required an affidavit filed with the county to have it acknowledged by the state. The thing to note here though, is that the county doesn't always file this affidavit correctly. So we do advise that an attorney assist with this process as the affidavit is required to contain certain verbiage to meet the requirements of the Texas constitution. So in our case, the couple was able to complete this process and move forward with their loan, but was a very emotional process for them. In their case, they were dealing with a loan officer that was out of state. The loan officer wasn't aware of the homestead laws in Texas, so it was a very big surprise to both the homeowners as well as the loan officer when they ran into this. And then trying to get all of this completed before their lock expired and their rate expired, it was a big undertaking for the clients. So moral of that story is to get with title early, make sure we know what's going on so that we can get ahead of these issues and give the client as much time as possible to resolve these issues ahead of time. I know that we say this every episode, always consult with title first, but seriously, it's just the easiest way in any kind of situation that might not be a traditional transaction. Yeah, and a lot of times you don't know it's not a traditional transaction until you get into the weeds of it, right? Like this loan officer, she had no idea what was waiting for her in that transaction. So next up, Libby did have a chance to sit down again with Don Tomlinson and discuss some of his experiences he's had with family-to-family transactions. So we'll hear how that went. Welcome back, Don. It's been a couple weeks. We've missed you around here, but we're glad to have you back. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? 
doing good. We are going into our next episode where we are actually going to be talking about family to family transactions. And a little birdie told me that you have some stories that impact the emotional side of the transaction. So do you have anything you want to share with us on that? Yeah, I mean, I have, I don't know if they're, they're not that exciting as stories. I think it's more cautionary tales, right? It's family to family. A lot of times you'll see cash transactions, right? And they don't think about the implications of what they're doing, um, how they're doing it. Now, you you have people that want to artificially discount it, right? So if I'm, I had a situation where a son was having some financial hardships and the parents were going to buy his, I think it was a townhome, doesn't matter, but they were going to buy the townhome from him. Um, and they were going to do it as a super at a super discounted rate. That feels all above board, right? We're trying to save the son from financial hardship, but we don't want to get smashed on paying for the townhome when this wasn't a purchase we expected to make. So they thought, well, let's just offer a little bit lower. And I said, look, you can do that, but you think about appraised value, and I think they were maybe a hundred, one hundred fifty thousand dollars below the appraised value. It doesn't look right, and if it doesn't look right, that can lead to all sorts of problems from taxes. Think about how that might look if I sell my property to my parents for a lot less than it's valued at to get out of a financial hardship, potentially I could be looked at as a gift, right? Because I'm not paying the what the market says that the value of the property actually is. And that can actually put everybody in, a, in an unintended bad place. So sometimes in those family transactions, or if you have people that are subdividing property, all the logic that you would take into a traditional deal when you're dealing with a stranger, someone that's at arm's length, you sort of lose sight of. So I think the biggest thing that I learned over the years is try to slow the deal down and and talk through all the different implications. Like, here's what you want to do and here's what might happen because you're not thinking about all the things around that. You don't think about those things whenever you're in a normal transaction with a stranger, like you said. So having a family member involved, more emotional things happen. It's almost with anything when it comes to family. I feel like you just... agree. Yeah, it, it heightens things that aren't normally heightened. And that with something as big as and important as real estate, it can a lot of unintended consequences in that formula. If you're thinking too much about the family member. Yes. You have to put that blocker on like, okay, this is just a normal transaction. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're my sister, who you are, whoever the case is. All right. Well, thank you so much, John, for joining us again. We always love to hear your feedback. Good to see you. Good to have you back. And we will see you next time. All right. Thanks for having me. Take care. You're welcome. This just about wraps up this episode and next week we are actually going to be taking a break for the Thanksgiving holiday. So everyone have a great Thanksgiving with your families, but we are going to be back the last week of November where we talk about divorce. This is going to wrap up this little section of topics and we can't wait to see you there. Bye.